most people think. Hello and welcome to Welcome to What Most People Think. Hello and welcome. How are you doing? Welcome to our. No, I come back from Dublin and I, I never really got the accent while I was there. And I know that some of you began, but Jeff, you are you're such a master of accents. It feels weird that you wouldn't get it, but I just I used to know the Dublin one. That's more like it. The banks of the Liffey. That's it. You just say the river name, the Liffey. Did you go down by the Liffey there, Buster? That's just, that's just quoting a character from um, Mrs. Brown's Boys. But uh, yeah, I am back from my little weekend of gigs in Dublin. And how are you? This is episode 26 of What Most People Think, the podcast that comes from it politically and comedically from a slightly right of centre, uh, non-woke angle. And yeah, I was out I was out there gigging in, in Dublin. And, um, you know, not everyone thought about Brexit, what I was led to believe, you know. Um, they seemed quite optimistic that things were going to work out, you know. Uh, they might have just been being polite to me, but um, but yeah, it was it was interesting. I was there uh, as the Irish uh, general election was happening, and um, yeah, they voted in fucking Sinn Fein, you know. So like, this is the thing about electorates; they've got this nasty habit of not doing what they're told, right? Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see what what happens there. Uh, we all suddenly became fucking experts on Irish democracy at that point. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, right? Think about Fiona Fail and Fiona Gale and Fiona Mandy. <laughs> is uh, but I enjoyed my gigs in Dublin, man. It was the the Laughter Lounge there. It's a very cool club, and they get very groovy. You know, middle class Dubliners there. I know Irish people have a middle class. I know I was I, I'm as blown away as you are. And they came uh, and they came and they laughed and I just did like fun club sets. I mean, I'll be honest, you're going, Jeff, did you bottle it? Did you not do Brexit? And yes, in a shock move in a 20 minute set in an Irish comedy club, weekend club, I did not talk about Brexit because you know what? You know, people don't want to fuck it. I mean, it's not just here. It's it, people don't want to talk about Brexit comedically um, anymore. But um, I enjoyed my stay there. I had a lot of writing to do, but I got out and about a little bit. Um, the rugby was on, so at one point it just felt like it, because it was raining, it was just like the sky was fucking raining drunk Welsh people. There were just so many drunk Welsh just strewn about Dublin. And, and this is the thing I didn't realise about rugby, right? I'm not really a rugby bloke, you know? It's just, for me, it's the ultimate middle... I know a lot of people think cricket is a posh sport, but anyone that goes knows that it's not, certainly once you get outside London, but... Um, with rugby, yeah, they just, you know, it's the ultimate kind of rugger bugger. Yeah, no, my mate Giles got free tickets. Yeah, no, it's great. You know, you just turn up 20 minutes in, leave 10 minutes for the end. You know? um, but they, but there was loads of young women that were going to rugby together, um, like Welsh, Irish, just big groups. Now, it might have been that they just loved that rugby dick. You know, the rugby cock might be what they're... And no, look, they're fans of rugby, Jeff. You know, they're fans of rugby. But I would say this. I would say this. When I, when I walked uh, through the city centre while the game was on... There, a lot of those big groups of women were just standing outside talking. And now you can say, well, that's just a stereotype, Jeff, but um, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, I was thinking, why doesn't football have that? You do not, right, at football, you do not see... You see more women at football than, than you used to, but you do not see them go in groups of more than two, do you? But rugby, the ladies like rugby. Why not? It's a very macho thing, isn't it? All those blokes wrestling. There's nothing homoerotic about that. Loads of blokes just just biting each other. Yeah, there you go, Giles. Little bite on the ear. That is, that's as straight as they come. Uh, but in the flat I was living in in Dublin for the uh, the few days was there was a um, outside. It was a lovely flat, but outside there, one night there was loads of smackheads and they were they were trying to steal a barrel of beer. And it was one of the funniest things I've ever heard. And it should have annoyed me because it because it, it kept me up. But it was just what happened was there was evidently about four of them. And they were sort of arguing over who would take it. Now, I'm going to say that as smackers, they wouldn't really have known what to do, like how to sell it on, you know what I mean? Or essentially launder the beer. But it kept going one way and then it kept coming back the other and they were bickering. And I, I would say that, you know, as, as far as smackheads and crackheads go, the, the best comedy smackhead accent is, is probably Irish. You know, so they go, no, 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 we'll take it up this way. I got to make, you know, when I'm not, no, we'll go back the other way. Jesus Christ, what are you doing? You just broke my fucking toe. Um, so that was, yeah, it was, it was, it was a great place to be. And um, I got stuck there though. I got stuck in Dublin 
with Storm Ciara, right, or Kara, whatever the fuck. Do you know what? My, my flight got cancelled, and, and Twitter being what it is, I just looked on, and there was loads of people moaning about the spelling. Like, people, why can't people get the spelling right? It's the fucking... I'll tell you something, mate. I'm in a queue of people ain't getting home. I don't give a fuck how you spell it. You know, oh gosh, you know, it just annoys me so much. Why can't people get, it's less, not fewer, fewer, not less. Uh, it's get a life, you guns, is what it is. But, um, oh, that was a, have I said cunt twice, three times now in the opening bit? That's it. I mean, I promise to swear less, but what I'm going to do more, I'm going to, I'm going to exchange 10 fucks for a cunt. That's what I'm going to do in the, is that, is that the ratio? Is it 10 fucks for a cunt? <laughs> Okay, let's get out of this swearing rabbit hole. But part of the reason I was stressed um, in Dublin was because I was coming back to record 8 out of 10 cats, which I recorded on Monday. It went out Tuesday, and it was great fun. It's great fun. You know, I've got this ongoing thing with some of my followers that are like, ooh, he's selling out, man, by getting paid work. He's selling out by being on these shows. And I understand, I do understand that, you know, there was a period where topical shows were punching on, like, Brexit voters and Tory voters all the time, you know. Um, but it's changing. It is changing. And um, there was one bit where I talked to, I ended with a joke about, you know, uh, the idea that, that um, five-year-olds should pick their own gender. Now, everyone laughed. No one shut me down. Got a round of applause. The production company didn't bottle it. They put it in the edit, right? Channel 4 didn't bottle it. They put it out. So all I would say to people is patience. You know what I mean? It is changing. It is changing. But I, I, do, I do get that people kind of uh, are giving up on mainstream topical comedy because they felt that there was nothing coming back the other way. But it, it takes time, baby. It takes time. And trust me, there are a lot of commissioners, particularly weirdly since Brexit's happened, that really want to get more voices in. You know what I mean? So, um, so I've no doubt I will pave the way and then there'll be someone coming who's, who's really spiky as fuck. Do you know what I mean? Um, but I'm just smiling. You know what I mean? I'm just, I'm just trying to... I'm, I'm, I'm showing good manners, you know, and then when I'm really in, I'll go fucking mental. Um, the fuck you uh, this week. So that was the thank you. The fuck you is for people uh, at the check-in desk. So when the flight got cancelled, people at the Aer Lingus check-in desk were sort of having a go at the girls uh, that were trying to rebook their flights. <laughs> and one woman said, uh, when, when, when will the wind stop? When will the wind stop? I thought, yeah, that's um, that's a lot. I mean, this girl seems bright, but she doesn't she doesn't look like the oracle of wind. No one knows that. What a fucking entitled thing to say. When when will the wind stop? And uh, and then there was another bloke that they were putting us in hotels uh, overnight, and um, they, one of them was full, so they started using this other one called the Clayton, and he was trying to get an upgrade. Like, I mean, it's a four star hotel. He's going, yeah, yeah, you know, I just. Is there anywhere else around? Is there a Hilton? Mate, there's a queue of 30 people behind you. Just shut the fuck up and take the win. But the but that that I do think a thing about check-in. There is something that people queue for a while, and there's a certain kind of dick that will get to the front and think, well, I had to queue. I'm now gonna take as long as I like. Do you see you ever see those people, you know? Where they just start asking all these questions when they're checking in for a flight. Okay, and where will I be sat? And and how far into the flight will the meal be served? And and, and where and when I get to Mauritius, uh who's where's the best place to go for hooker, hookers? Where's where's the best place? And, and and what should I eat? And what should I yeah, and should I wipe my ass or should I use the B day? Oh fuck it, just get to life, mate. Anyway, uh, let's get on with the subjects. First up we're talking about the Oscars. <laughs> Right, so this bit is a supplementary bit. I'm not going to talk about the Oscars first because I had the podcast all sewn up. It was ready to be dropped, as the kids say, on a Thursday. And then uh, there was this cabinet reshuffle, wasn't there? Old classic Dom. Classic Dom. Classic Dom and Boris. Um, just before I get into that, I'm aware that there was some popping earlier because I had to listen back to something on the podcast. There's nothing I can do about it now. I'm not recording it again, but uh, apologies for that. But yeah, this this reshuffle, the part of the reason it caught me by surprise was the same reason it caught everybody by surprise because there wasn't expected to be any uh, any great shakes in it. And then Saj, the Saj, the power stance man himself, he's out, he's out. And then of course there was all sorts of, uh, well of course the first reaction on the left was like, Aha, oh yeah, right, yeah. The, the token brown chancellor goes, if they've just waited, another one came in. And then they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, but this is racism too. You're like, hang on, it can't be racism when a British Asian loses their job and when a British Asian gets that job. You don't, you don't really 
get to have it both ways. Do you, do you notice how some some on the left, right? Not all, but some, they totally suspend their rules on racial language when it comes to uh, non-white conservatives. I mean, look, let's be real about it on another front. Rishi Sunak, um, he does have a touch of the week seven apprentice about him, doesn't he? You know, I just like when I see him, I'm imagining him with one of those wheelie cases speaking into a phone in that way that they do on The Apprentice. He's not going to be on The Apprentice, one of those those pricks that like has a catchphrase. But he's certainly he's certainly like one of those ones when he does the piece to camera. It's just like I'm really focused and I know business. I know business and I know that Lord Sugar will know that I know business. But you can't help but feel that having replaced an established figure like the Sag, who, who went down with his ship, by the way, his little team of spads, if you don't know that's what they call special advisors. To me, that sounds like a word that you'd be told you couldn't use in primary school anymore. Don't you spad? Shut up, you spad. And um, yeah, he, he refused because obviously Boris and Dom want... Um, want <laughs> Boris and Dom. I mean, they do in the bungalow. Boris and Dom in the number 10 bunker. They want more control. Now, you know, some on the left are portraying this in a highly negative way, aren't they? They're saying, they're saying, well, this is an authoritarian kind of fascist regime. Now, there's two things to address here. One is that the, the prime minister having a very close figure that advises and guides them isn't a new thing, right? And Alistair Campbell, Sir Bernard Ingham, do you know what I mean? Uh, Cameron Ad, what was his name, that guy? Steve Hilton, right? They uh, Cummins has got more of a public profile because he is a uh, he's a hate figure on the on the liberal left. But he does he does seem to be pulling some strings now. So you accept that maybe he has slightly at this point slightly more power than previous similar figures have had. But what is it he's trying to do? Right? Is he wants to spend money? That's the bottom line. He wants to spend a few quid, right? He wants to. Uh, this is what they want to do, and I've obviously touched on this slightly later about the Tories going full Northern, but they want to, um, yeah, they want to make good on these electoral promises. And and Sage, by all accounts, was a bit more Thatcherite financially. And, and you know, this, this administration under Boris, I'll tell you something, right? All the people that were going, oh, it's going to be fascist, going to be neo-fash. Um, it's going to be neo-fucking New Blair, New Labour, really, it, for, for a large part. They want to spend. They want to spend on infrastructure. They're going to spend on police. They're going to spend on NHS. They're going to try and end the north-south divide. I mean, that sounds like a lot. Don't get me wrong. You know, I am. I you know, I, as a conservative, I quite like prudent fiscal policy. But it's just at the point now where I don't know if this is a time when you can do that. Right? You've got to rebalance the north and the south, and you've got to have spending ahead of Brexit to keep the the economy ticking over. So, um, so I'm sort of, I'm sort of all right with it, you know, I'm sort of all right with it, but you can't have a bit, but Rishi Sunak, he's clearly like the young lad that they brought in. Hey, he's under manners, isn't he? Uh, Rishi, yeah, yeah, Rishi. So, um, yeah, you can have the job. Yeah, but you're a good boy, isn't you, Rishi? Yeah, you're a good, I'm just, no, I'm just saying, you, you're your own man and that, but, um, but so uh, just remember who gave you the job. Oh, and by the way, you're not going to have your own, um, special advisors. Then we're just going to have a little... We're gonna all do. It. We'll sit down together. Yeah, let's just let's do it. In, you know, it's easier. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe there was a point that number ten and eleven should have had. It. I don't know why they're sort of these separate um, agencies. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure how how much the tension between Blair and Brown really was a positive thing. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. It's kind of weird for the Sads, though, isn't it? That's the one weird thing about politics, isn't it? That you kind of get sacked from a frontline job, but you've still got to be an MP. You still got to be a backbencher. That's got to suck, hasn't it? There's I don't know if there's any other job like that. Say you was like a manager of like of Newcastle United, you'd get sacked from that job. You wouldn't then suddenly be made physio, would you? You know, and and Sage has got a Sage has got to go and sit back and do start doing his uh, community um his constituency clinics again, just sitting there. You know what I mean? He's got he's got Maud from number ten sitting there going, yeah. And of course the potholes need attention. And another thing was I noticed that the sign showing the way to the special interest theatre side, and then just imagine that fading out, and Sage just looking out of the window going, "Hello, darkness, my old friend." Like he never thought he'd be back there. He, I mean, bear in mind he went for the conservative leadership, 
he thought he thought he'd be prime minister. He thought there was a chance that he could be prime minister, that he'd be pressing flesh, Merkel and Trump and Macron. You know, even you know what it's like when you're when you're striving for something in life. You let yourself believe, don't you? You let yourself believe that this thing could happen. And he's going, right, I'm not I'm not promising. Chancellor though, Chancellor, that's all right. Chancellor, second most powerful man in Britain. And then bam, back in the surgery. So look, I think there is something slightly unsettling about somebody in Cummings' position having this amount of power. But ultimately, I think that it, let's let's judge it on, on what happens, you know, because a lot of people... A lot of people on the left are saying that they want to see, you know, uh, British Asians in positions of power in politics, where you still got that, right? And that they want to see spending on infrastructure and public services. Well, you're still getting that. So, shut it. What most people think. So the Oscars happened. One of my favourite things at the moment is, is you know, have you ever noticed how the people that give the most speeches about social justice at the, at the Oscars are like the, uh, the white guys of a certain age? Like they're not they're not daft, right? They're not daft. It may be that they think these things too, but I don't remember them saying them pre-Trump. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just want to say while I'm up here that um, I will not be on a film unless it has a diversity writer. Yeah, that's who I am now. Joaquin Phoenix, uh, you know. To, I mean, the thing about Joaquin Phoenix is he, he he admit. I mean, he gave a good speech on it. You know, it seemed from the heart. But he is an actor, isn't he? Hey. It's not as if they couldn't fucking nail that. But he gives this speech about social justice and equality and privilege and stuff. But but we all know up until very recently, he was a nightmare to work with. And that's one of my problems with these things. It's like, yeah, why do why do the guys speaking so much about fairness and being kind and lovely? Always the guys that you know for a fact are complete dicks to be around. You know what I mean? Same with same with Hugh Grant. You know, he's one of the most vocal kind of oppositions of establishment skullduggery. And yet the stories about that man. I mean, one of some of them you know, some of them I can't say. But you know, put it this way, yeah, he's uh, he's got he's got an ego on him, right? He's got an ego on him. So so yeah, we had the the Oscars and we had a few of the usual speeches and stuff. And uh, Brad Pitt, Pitt, Pitt did a pretty good gag about. Uh, he did almost like a topical satirical gag about John Bolton. I did think it was weird though that that they didn't have a host, you know. I mean, if there's ever a sign that we're living in a risk-averse age is that, is that they've gone without a host. <laughs> I mean, that is... It's like, if you went to a wedding, right, and they went, uh, we, will, we won't be having a best men's speech today, you go, okay, well, something's going on. Something's, no best man's speech, right? Exactly how many of the bridesmaids has he slept with? Yeah? Because that is, that is so risk-averse. We're not going to have... Not going to have a host. We saw Ricky Gervais making some good points. We thought we don't want those sort of good points at our show. And as I made the point, you know, on on you know political diversity at the Oscars, fine. They always want to step up and they always want to be anti-establishment, don't they? They always want to be these millionaires, just totally, you know, absolute rebels. And and fine for them to be like that. It just, it, as I was saying on Cats, it's like it'd just be nice if one speech came from the other direction. You know what I mean? Someone just come up and went, ah. Uh, you know what things uh, things are all right. Let's be honest. This things are okay for most for most people. Things are all right, and um, you know some of this some of this trans stuff is getting you know a bit cloudy, man. You know maybe maybe young kids should have to wait a bit till they self-identify, <laughs> and that would be like a reasonable view in in line with most people. But you can you imagine then if they cut to all the lovies sitting there, then would they be clapping and wiping that tear away from their eye then? If you made a point about how corporation tax cuts can actually stimulate the economy, they'd be going, oh my God, thank you. Thank you for the words. Thank you for the words, Jeff. Thank you. And it is weird how it's actors like there's so many. They've got, they've got amazing lives, right? They've got amazing lives, but they're also the most worried about the world ending, which I think stands to reason because like you just don't want it to stop. You know what I mean? Like with someone, a normal person with climate change, you're like, well, you know, with them it's like, okay, we have... Two weeks to save the planet, guys. We have to make changes. When most people are going, all right, if, you know, if it's going to be that, it's fuck it. Do you know what? I am very tired a lot of the time and I do have, you know, I have debts racking up. I just, um, yeah, fuck it. Let's just go. Let's just end it. <laughs> Let's bring it in early. And, you know, I just, it's just slightly strange to me that they feel the, the need to even make political points at award ceremonies because no, no other job does that. I mean, there's no specific... 
sort of Venn diagram between the skills to be an actor and to be, uh, you know, engaged with politics. A lot of people will be right now going, oh, says so the comedian who's been on Question Time four times, which is a very bad point. But, you know, if there was a committee, if I ever won an award, oh, I did win an award. There you go. Uh, but, but I wasn't there that night because I was, you know, I'm not going to suck the mainstream. No, I was, I was uh, doing a well-paid gig. But, oh, you know, I, I've hosted loads of award ceremonies. I hosted the West Midlands tele-sales dinner the other night, right? And they just, they just, they just got their John Lewis vouchers and they sat the fuck down. Right, that that's all that was needed. You know, you don't, <laughs> you don't, you don't get Ken from accounts going, uh, telling us why he's not talking to white people about race anymore, do you? You know, they just they just get on with it. Just get on with it. And they had a, they had a full uh, vegan menu. They had a full vegan menu. And I was thinking, right, you know, the Irishman is uh, the cast of it were notoriously really old. You know what I mean? They're so. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the Irishman, but it's a brilliant film. The funny, you know, it's funny thing. All these people just. Talking about oh, stale, pale and male, old white guys. I wonder if they've seen the film because it is fantastic and it's one of the first gangster films I've ever seen that in no way glamorises it, but it's just the most honest portrayal of what it must have been like to get in that world and stay in that world. And, you know, look, I'm the kind of bloke that likes that sort of stuff, I, I grant you, but, yeah, they're, they're all old now. They're all old. And, uh, I don't, you know, men in their 80s, I don't, I don't know how they felt, you know, getting served the uh, sweet potato tempura. <laughs> Imagine that. I could just imagine like Robert De Niro's face just looking at it right now I can't do an impression of that so you just got to imagine his uh, what the fuck is this face just <laughs> and Joe <laughs> Joe Pesci just uh, just throwing his napkin down and uh, reaching for his piece um, piece of meat obviously and there was a funny thing with the um, you know there's a funny thing with the the Irishman was the CGI that they did in that film a lot of it was about making their faces look younger, and they did a really cracking job on the faces. But for some reason, they didn't do anything with the bodies. So there's one particular scene, and it's not it's not a spoiler alert, but with, uh, with, with De Niro, where he gives a kick into this lad in the curb. And, um, and he just looks like an old man. He looks like, well, he looks like the age that he is. He looks like your granddad trying to wipe dog shit off his shoes. He's just like, ooh, ooh. he just looks like he's really struggling with it. You just go, did, did no one think about this? Like, just get, at least give the man, like, some deep heat on the knees or some Volta roll or something, but, but it's a funny scene. It's a funny scene. But I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, like, for the average person, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the changes in politics over the last few years. But some of their bullshit just, just seems a bit stale now. Like, when they when they talk about bravery, right? Do you know what you, Do you want to talk about bravery? My friend Catherine Ryan fucking dealing with that idiot slow tie. At, um, at the NME Awards, that was that was fucking brave. Do you know what I mean? Standing up there and just managing the situation in real time. That's if you've ever been like, I mean, it's so funny, isn't it? Like, because she's you know she's just any female comic that's done the weekend clubs. If you think that that behaviour is bad, get yourself to a rowdy weekend club. You know she um she handled it like a fucking boss. You know, you know it's not brave, is it? It's just doing a, a an acting role is not. Brave. I don't know why. It really fucks me off when actors talk about like the injuries that they got doing a film. You know, like if they're doing something like they're a soldier, you know, or, or like a, they're a boxer. They do a film about boxing and, and they go, uh, yeah, some of those punches actually connected. I'm like, good. I'm glad those punches connected. You're making a film about boxing, mate. Do you know what I mean? I'm just, I'm fucking, you know, uh, some of those stunts there, I actually sprained my ankle. Oh, well done, Tom Cruise. Yeah. Fucking, it must be weird after a while doing these action films where they must start to think that they are that guy because I mean Robert De Niro is a good example I mean he's very convincing as a tough guy I, I would lay money that he's actually shit at fighting that would be the shock wouldn't it you find out he's never he's never actually punched someone in the face you know like there's a lot it must be weird when you see yourself on a big screen just kicking ass to music but then you know you know what you really are then you just sort of like the following morning you're struggling to get out of bed <laughs> In the morning, but look, this is the thing about the Oscar. I just, I think, for whatever reason, it seems uh, way more out of touch than it ever has. And uh, you know, I think that that was brought home with Jane Fonda, who talked about the sacrifices she was making with her sustainable diamonds. Sustainable diamonds. Give it a rest. Okay, we are looking now at uh, Tra Tracy Bravin. Did you see this? The uh, the Labour MP who wore a little off the shoulder number at um, 
in the House of Commons. She wore a little off-the-shoulder number. And, of course, you know, the first the first stage of these things online is that she got dragged for it, right? And people said that she looked like she'd been out on the piss. One bloke even tweeted that she looked like she'd just been banged over a wheelie bin, which she re- she quoted, and fair play to her for doing that. And first things to say is I think she handled her business nicely in this situation. But what kind of pissed me off afterwards was, like, you then got the liberal line on it, which was people going, um, what does it matter? What does it matter what she wears? She can wear what she wants. People can wear what they want. I don't, I don't care. I don't care what anybody wears. Come on, there is a fucking line. You know? This is, this is politics. You can't just rock up in any old kit, right? It's like, all right, six, six words. Michael Gove in a gimp mask, right? Is that fine? Because then you go, well, of course, that's ridiculous. You know, you're pushing it too far. But for some people, an off-the-shoulder number is too far. I mean, what, what we're agreeing is that there's a line here. The question is, who gets to set it, right? I thought, I thought it was a little bit evening for the House of Commons. That's what I thought. I'm not angry about it. I'm not judging her. I just looked the moment I saw the photo. I was like, oh, hello. There's a bit of shoulder, right? A shoulder's... Are shoulders even sexy though? Do they, they don't get much. I mean, as I say that, but I bet you there's a, there's a website, isn't there, for the shoulders? I mean, that that well, I feel sorry for her. on social media. There's there's just perverts everywhere, and she would have definitely found some people that should we say appreciated her shoulders. I had I had my first um, Instagram message the other day asking me for used socks. So. Um, I mean, like I can afford to give away socks. I'm a busy man and I've got hot feet, right? <laughs> fucking use socks. Send me some socks, okay? I'll wear them for a while. I'll get good use out of them. Then you can have them back and every everyone wins in that deal. But as I was saying, like, um, you know, as I was saying to Catherine on 8 out of 10 cats, right, was that, do I keep mentioning that I was on 8 out of 10 cats? I was on 8 out of 10 cats. But these women do get the positives as well. Like, if you turn up at a party looking stunning, like, people go, oh, you look stunning. Darling, you look stunning. You'd just, just be told the whole evening how beautiful you look, right? And as a bloke, you get, yo, yo, don't you look, you look smart. Don't you look smart? Now, I, even Brad Pitt, when he looks his very best, would still get, you look smart. And, I mean, admittedly, <laughs> the women will be trying to lick him when they say that. <laughs> you look smart. Ugh. You look smart, bro. <laughs> But you know, so there are. I'm not. I'm just saying with the whole beauty thing. Women do. Women's beauty is revered more. It's focused on more. But the, the rewards are there. But on the other hand, I suppose you know. Is this then that means that once you've had that compliment, right? You wanna, you wanna keep getting the compliments. So women have to think more about what they're gonna wear. Um, I, you know, me going on TV. I'm like, right, which shade polo shirt should I wear tonight? <laughs> Very tricky. Very tricky. I've only, I've only, I think I've only had three hairstyles in my life, in my life, and this one I've got now, I'll probably take to the grave. I'll probably, I'll probably die with this hair, unless, I, unless the hair recedes even more. In which case, I'll shave it, and that's that. That's that's four and out. Four hairstyles in a lifetime. <laughs> Just four. If you like, I mean, if you, if you had like six, you're officially a dandy. Do you know what I mean? Your vein as a well, six hairstyles in a lifetime. I mean, David Beckham will have had about like nine. I mean, that's just off the fucking chart, narcissistic. I, it's a strange phenomenon with blokes, isn't it? We just don't change the look that much over time. Um, and then, of course, you know, being the be, the well being as it is, a lot of people, so ASOS or whatever, or Boohoo, or whatever these fucking sites are. So, yeah, like, a lot of people were. We're seeing it and going, oh, that's a nice dress. I might get that dress. And I was thinking, I wonder, I wonder if that happened with other political moments. Like, you know, Winston Churchill, when he gave his speech, said, oh, we will fight them on the beaches. <laughs> Some people go, oh, beaches, yeah, we should book a holiday, actually. Yeah, we haven't had one for a while. Let's go down to Margate. Just quickly on the Labour leadership contest. So they had, uh, they had their first live leadership debate last night. And you, you know how important it was? Do you know how important it was? I didn't fucking watch it. It's my job to know about these things. It is so irrelevant, the Labour leadership contest, because with everything that happens, you just realise that they're not going to be in power phrases. It doesn't really matter. What they're basically electing, who's going to babysit the Labour Party for five years? It's like, it's really hard to get involved in it because um, it's a bit like, you know you know whoever wins it, they're not going to go on so much. So it's a bit like watching The Voice, isn't it? There's a part in it where you, like early on, where you go, wow, there's some really, oh, it doesn't fucking matter. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, no one is going to achieve anything out of this. But Keir Starmer, he uh, he remains the, the front runner. 
he did a little video of himself. Um, he, right, and it was with like school kids, you know. So g- given that one of the big criticisms of the the sort of spread of Labour leadership candidates is that they they all seem a bit like teachers. Don't go into a school, mate. Don't go into school and sit there like you're auditioning for the head of year four because you got that job. I don't prime minister. No, I, I'm not. Am I missing something with Keir Star? Keir Starmer. He is not charismatic on any level. Smart guy. Shh, just yeah, smart, clever. It's just like a diet Blair, you know. But at the moment, obviously, he's 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 trying to reach out to the Corbyn, uh, the Corbynistas. So there was a thing yesterday. He had loads of pledges, and essentially, it was almost like well, I pledged to go in with more or less the same manifesto that saw us get our fucking asses handed to us a few weeks ago. Now, I know that over time he'll shilly and he'll shally and he'll just, yeah, he's not daft, right? He'll go, well, you know, we just continually saw that wasn't polling well. So uh, I just don't, I don't think, because the thing is, Boris is is, is moving into sort of centre territory, right? So, so northern now as well. So, so northern at some point. They're, the Tories are going to hit peak Northern, aren't they? They're just going to PMQs. Boris is going to stand up and go, um, good afternoon, everybody. And it'll be like he's channeling the spirit of Jeffrey Boycott. I'm uh, just going to give you an update on HS2. Trouble at Mill. Aye. And to Pretty Patel, she's going to have a word. And then she started Javid. So he's going to sound like Boycott then, commentating on a cricket. And a Sajid Javid coming in at three. But yeah, they, but it's not a surprise. Like I, I mean, I know a lot of people, a lot of conservatives were put off by this talk of the mansion tax and the fact that HS two is going ahead. But they've got to deliver something soon. This first year is when the people that lent in inverted commas the conservatives their vote will make their judgments about whether or not that was a bad decision, right? And I think that Cummins and Johnson are shrewd enough to know that because if it goes two years, the narrative that they've been betrayed will build up. So strap yourselves in, Tories is that, yeah, because the thing is that they can bank on the fact that you will never vote Labour, but they can also bank on the fact that they might not hold on to what they've got, right? So they've got to deliver. And I was thinking about Lisa Nandy, right? Oh, were you, Jeff? Hey, come on. Um, I was thinking about Lisa Nandy, and she, I just think she, I think she's good. I, I do think she's good. I think that, you know, a lot of them are pitching for the membership at the moment, so they're saying the usual shit about fucking gender identity and, and stuff that that they have to. But I, I wonder if this might be a good one for Nandy to lose, you know? Just let Keir in, let him babysit, do you know what I mean? He's the rebound guy, and then in the long run, I think that they probably need to go with a bit of Nandy. Bit of Nando's. Nandy, Nandios. Nandy, yeah, there's nothing there. So just plug on tour shows. Um, the two tour shows this week are sold out, Sudbury and Maidstone. But next week, right? Next week I'm in uh, I'm in Bridport, and then I'm in Lyme Regis. Okay, it's not a place I'd ever I'd heard of Lyme Regis, but I never thought I'd go there. And then on Sunday we're in Colchester, and I'm looking forward to. I've been to Colchester before, and uh, that was a nice gig. It's selling well. Uh, Lyme Regis, we could do with more people in the room. It's only ten miles away from Bridport, so I'm really challenging the audience that I have in that part of the world to show up but uh, it's getting there it's getting there Bridport is looking well sold and like I say Colchester too but Lyme Regis is also yeah it's starting to move so I'm looking forward to seeing as many people there as possible how, how fucking far west country are we talking like Bridport and Lyme Regis am I gonna have to am I gonna have to slow it down a bit take out all the long words am I hey you fucking yokels <laughs> <laughs> All right, my lover. Welcome to Jeff Norcott taking liberties. I bet you've been taking liberties, in you, with members of your family. There you go. There you go. There, there's, there's the incest gag. That's what that. That's my job. It's what I'm paid to do. Uh, Philip Schofield. Let's talk about Philip Schofield. Let's talk honestly about Philip Schofield. Because I have to say, right. You know, this week, it's been a very strange experience. Because obviously, I talk about things, TV types, and all that, and everyone's kind of like. Um, they're not saying the things in public that they're saying in private, right? So first up, right? First up, my heart goes out to him, coming out as a gay man. You know, I came out as a conservative in the public eye. And, uh, you know, in many ways, that was harder. <laughs> I don't remember anyone calling me brave, but whatever. He said, he said, didn't he? He said that, you know, like um, he had thoughts as, as a young man, occasional thoughts that he might be bisexual. First up, I'd say that every, every bloke has those, don't they? Every once in a while. Like, you know, I think I had them several times during Thor Ragnarok, which let's not go into. And you're thinking it was for Thor. Maybe it was for the Hulk. <laughs> maybe it was for the Hulk. Maybe I'd like to go to sleep in those big, strong arms. Maybe that's 
for another podcast, right? But I would say this, right? People go like, um, it's, it's like the Tracy Brabian thing. People want to seem above it all, don't they? They go, well, you know, it's um, I, 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 don't, I don't care. I don't care what he does in his private life. I don't care. Well, I sort of do care a bit. <laughs> it's just, don't try and act all fucking above it all. You know, I just think I don't care. I don't, I don't care. Do you know what I mean? I don't, if, if Attenborough came out as gay, I'd be like, so? So what? Tell me more about sea lions. I do care, right? Because he's a celebrity. That's the point is of celebrities is that I'm disproportionately interested in the shit that they do in their, their own lives, right? That's what celebrity is, isn't it? You know, so I do care. Is he, you know, do I disapprove of him liking dick, right? Uh, no, of course I don't. Do I want to know if he's banging Gokwan? Well, yeah. Yeah, I do want to know that. Come on. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It is ridiculous the way that there's a sort of reverence for gay celebrities that's just almost patronising. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's this, this special protected species. No one gives a fuck, Right? No one gives a fuck. Was it brave of him? Well, it would have been brave if there was any jeopardy of him losing his job for being gay, and there fucking wasn't. You know what I mean? Imagine in 2020, uh, Philip Schofield comes out as gay, and then ITV go, following the revelations about Mr Schofield's sexual predilections, we have fired him and brought in someone much straighter. (laughs) It's not fucking happening, is it? It's not happening. And then fucking... uh, I mean, it would be better if he'd have said this, because obviously he's had these rumours about him that, that he's a nightmare to work with and stuff like that. And it, it'd have been better if this didn't come off the back of that because it might be that they're coincidental, but for most people, what most people think is that, yeah, it's, you know, that's quite a coincidence. It's quite a coincidence. Um, I, I didn't mind uh, Eamon Holmes' comments, right? Because he got sticked, didn't he? Because he made a couple of so-called crass comments about um, being in a hot tub with a Hollywood and, uh and, and, and wanting his job. And I thought, no, come on, man, you need... That's what old blokes are... That's what old blokes are there for, isn't it? Like, that you... That, to make a, a comment that breaks the tension, you know? Slightly... He didn't say any... Like, this is what bugs me about these things, is everyone at the time is clearly like, oh, God, Eamon, you know, you just rolled their eyes in an indulgent way and that should have been the end of it, you know? But, of course, journalists are fucking lazy and be like, Twitter erupts. Twitter's always erupting. Twitter's... <laughs> Twitter is a fucking social media volcano that will just be erupting till the end of time. Imagine that. Do you ever think about Twitter, right? Because obviously we've got an ongoing historical record now of, what, of everything that we said. And that one day, like, you know, historians will look back and I think that they'll conclude that we all had amazing lives because we had so much time to discuss pronouns and being offended by stuff. They'll go, well, you know, Jesus, they must have had so much leisure time. Look at how often these pricks... Spend arguing with each other, right? I um, I mean, I can understand the way with Philip Schofield, but that that sometimes things take a while to get round to. You know, like it's not as simple as like I, I I've got some crockery in the boot of my car that I told my wife that I was taking up to a recycling centre like eighteen months ago, and I still I still haven't done that. I drive past the recycling centre every time I go out of time, out of t- out of town, but like I just don't do it, and I can't explain to you why I don't do it. And, you know, it's not like when I do do that, that it's going to get like 10 million hits on the This Morning website. So maybe I've got some, you know, sympathy for, you know, Philip Schofield there. But, um, but yeah, I just, I, I don't think coming out as gay is like um excuse for being bad to work with or being a prick to people on set. There you go. Simple. What most people think. Fairly rattling through this show here. What, am, I, am I not saying much? Am I, am I speaking really fast? God, I have been speaking a lot. Well, I would. It's a, it's a one-person podcast. But I'm man, I'm fluent. I feel like I'm, you know, I'm busy at the moment. It's coming out the middle. I, you know, I don't, don't need to pause or fucking hesitate. You know what I mean? I now, obviously, I'm going to pause and hesitate. Shit. This is the thing. When you're feeling good, Nick. This is like this was like a cricketer there that's going. Well, I'm, I'm seeing it like a football. The moment you think that, you get fucking bounced in the chin. Um, so letters, uh, this is from Tim in Streatham, nice short one. This, maybe it's a short podcast this week, maybe this was how it's meant to be. I'm a Labour member, aren't they all? Hey, politic jokes. Um, I'm a Labour member, who should I vote for in the leadership elections? Well, this, I remember this dovetails a bit with what we were saying um, earlier. Who should you vote for in the leadership election? Are you honestly asking a Tory 
who to vote for in the because I would go with Rebecca Long Bailey. Good morning, Mrs. Bailey. Good morning, children. Let's go on strike. Um, I would vote for. Yeah, I would vote. You're you're from Streatham, Tim, so I'm I'm guessing that your choice was probably oh Jess Phillips. Yeah, well, you know, I'm out to the race now, perhaps, but um, you won't keep old Jess Phillips down. That's right. I'll tell somebody, bodies, why don't you come out my way? Um, so she was probably your. Uh, she was she was probably your gal. I don't I have no idea how Keir Starmer speaks. He's got a slightly. A lot of people say he speaks like Beaker, out of um, Sesame Street. I don't know, maybe like um, Thornbury. Thornbury's your girl, right? As a Streatham lad. Remain central. It was hilarious watching Hemley Form Hemily. It was hilarious watching a Hemily Thornbury um, trying to trying to make out that she was down with leaving the EU. <laughs> she was just waiting for it to implode. Then it started to clear as not gonna implode. Then she was like, fuck it, people's march, face painting of the EU flag. Um, who should you vote for in leadership elections? Yeah, just vote for Starmer. Fuck it. Like I said, he's going to babysit the party. Just don't vote for Nandy because it'll be a bad time for her to get the job. You know, like Graham Taylor ended up like being a brilliant manager, but he got the England job a bit too early. Maybe that's who Lisa Nandy is. She might not like that comparison, but she's the Graham Taylor. You don't want to like have the equivalent moment of do I not like that. Have you seen that documentary recently? It's one of the best bits of television ever made. Graham Taylor. When I'll oh, do I <laughs> the bit where the bit where England are losing two 0 against Holland and he's like heckling the linesman. Hey, I've just lost my job, young man. Yeah, you tell him that. I've just lost. Yeah, thanks. Cheers. <laughs> Give him the thumbs up. Ah, uh, fucking, he's a good man, Graham Taylor. Anyway, that wasn't what that letter was about. Sorry, we went off a bit off piece there. Yeah, yeah vote, vote Starmer. Fuck it. Uh, this letter is from. I like this one. This is from Jimmy. He doesn't say to me where he's from. <laughs> this is really direct. This is direct week. I get shooting pains in the arsehole. <laughs> That's got to be the best opener for an email or letter ever, isn't it? I get shooting pains in the arsehole. Okay, the actual muscle. It's a nightmare. I jolt forward just like I had a, <laughs> I had a cattle prod up the batty. Excellent use of the word batty there. I think since we haven't seen Ali G, we just we haven't had that word around, and I've always liked it. Me and my mate Matt, we've always loved the word batty. It's just a funny word, up the batty. Um, does anyone else get these? Right, so I've got to clarify because I, I do get, I know what Jimmy's talking about. So we're talking about, every once in a while, people say, oh, you've got to go and see a doctor. It's not that, it's, it's, it's the actual, the actual, <laughs> you know, the starfish, right? The starfish, that big, because obviously it's one of the most tightly packed muscles um, in the body. Uh sometimes they you just get a pain in there like it's like the worst pain that there is and it, 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 it's like an attack and it goes on for a while because they're hard working muscles do you know what i mean they're like the engine room of the lower quarters <laughs> like the tongue the tongue and the ass they they did they just they put in a shift don't they the ass and the ass doesn't always know what's coming down the, the train does it Sometimes it's like whoa fuck you know anyway sorry look this is getting incredibly scatological the point is is that yeah, I get them. And I've had them once during a job interview and it literally looked like I was thrusting my pelvis. At, it, it was almost like, you know those great bits of physical comedy that Jim Carrey does where something else is controlling him, like in Liar Liar or something like that, or in The Mask. It looked like that and I was just like thrusting my... Anyway, bottom line, I didn't get the job at McDonald's. But the... Um, yeah, it is, it is, it is strange. I hope. I hope... Not like so many other things. It's not one of those things that gets worse over time. That even as I said it, you're going, yeah, obviously going to get worse every time. Everything gets worse over time. But uh, the, the shooting pains in the arsehole. Uh, yeah, it's a good point maybe to mention the, the podcast, um, how you write in, is uh, what most people think UK at gmail.com. Let's maybe start a community. Do you know what I mean? Let's start a, maybe I could become like one of those actors. I could go to the Oscars. And I could just say, tonight, I don't want to speak about my success. I want to speak about the silent suffering of the shooting pains in the arse or spitter. The, <laughs> the organization that I started with, with Jane Fonda, who pawned one of her sustainable diamonds. We have raised nearly £7,000 for shooting pain in the asshole research and it turns out there's nothing you can do about it it's just raising awareness 
sometimes if somebody is seeming like they're trying to dry hump your leg, they may be having an attack. So just stab them in the ass with an EpiPen. Won't do anything, but it will distract. From... Anyway, that was a, a strange... Yeah, but just so you, you, you're you not alone, Jimmy. You are not alone. That'll be our song, won't it? We'll, we'll, we'll get everybody, get loads of celebrities to... <laughs> to just desperate celebrities that have got albums coming out to do like a charity song for Spitter. Shooting pains in the arse. Get Bob Geldof on board. Just tell him. But he'll be like, right, fucking send some fucking money. All right. There are people all around the world who are just getting pains in the jacksy. So just send your fucking money right now. Quick bit of men's mental health this week is that I've, I've had a busy period at the start of the year. And it's been good, man. Been on those programs, everything seems to have gone well. But it's the age-old problem, isn't it? Of like, if you're a busy bloke or or a busy woman, you know, why do I say that patronisingly? Of course, women are fucking busy doing stuff. You know what I mean? Um, is that is that you get like if you've got a wife and a kid and stuff? It's like you just get like you get so single focused. And, may, and maybe the reason I am saying this is a bloke thing is that I think that is that there's a greater tendency to single task as men. You know, you just get that tunnel vision. It's like you're hunting a... I couldn't think of an animal that I would hunt then. It's like you're hunting a... I was going to say a stoat. What a shit thing to hunt. Imagine that. I would have been terrible in the hunter-gatherer age. Just come back to my tribe with a stoat and they're like, fuck you, and they just castrate me that night and eat my balls as a celebration of my emasculation. But the... I, Yeah, I... I, I you know, you just... And then, then it gets hard to tune into the home. Do you know what I mean? Like, you get home... And then they've kind of got a little rhythm of working without you and, and you're kind of outside of it. It just, it's like a, um, it's like, you know, like a ship needs to slow down quite a long way out from shore, right? <laughs> Unless it's uh, the film Speed 2, in which case you just got to fucking keep going, otherwise the ship will explode. Well, that was the worst fucking sequel ever, wasn't it? That was up there with fucking uh, Big Mama's House 2, but... But you've got to start slowing down a while. So the thing is, I finish these things and I'm on, I'm on the fucking train or whatever, or I'm in the car and I'm still thinking, yeah, comedy this, comedy that, whatever your job is, right? Whatever your passion is. And, and really, you've got to be starting then. That's what I'm trying to learn is that you've got to be just slowing it down, stop thinking you're such a big deal. And then hopefully when you get in the front door, you're not like, you know... You're not like, um, I sounded really posh. You're not like, you know, Jesus, this living out in Cambridgeshire too long, mate. It's getting to me. It's getting to me. The other day, I had goat's cheese in a salad. I don't mind admitting, you know. <laughs> I'm losing my identity here. When I say Cambridge, though, people always, people do think that I fucking punt to work or something, you know what I mean? Or I wear one of those stupid hats that the uh, Oxbridge students wear. I live, I'm not going to tell you where I live, but, you know, we've got our issues. There was, there was some graffiti two years ago in the town centre, still still spoken of. But that's the point, isn't it? It's just a simple one on the men's mental health. That's that's a tip. That maybe, I'm going to say this. You're smart enough to work it out for yourself. But it is for me, is to not stop work when you put your key in the door. Do you know what I mean? Because then you come in and you've been out working and then all you want to talk about is work for the first hour. And then, um, and then they go, oh, it just feels like he wants to still be working. But you do, do you know what I mean? It's like... Again, you know, it's like a cricket analogy. I've just batted for 10 hours. I've done a Michael Atherton in Johannesburg to save the match. You know, I bet Michael Atherton didn't come straight out and was then, you know, sitting doing puzzles with his kid. Yeah. I bet he was still like doing forward defensives and had to be sedated <laughs> by NASA saying, like, did an old needle up the arse like the Russians. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So, so maybe, obviously, if you're Michael Atherton out batting you know you you can't start you know winding down while you're still out there do you know what i mean just start shouldering arms to a straight one but certainly on the way home that that's the time to start getting your head back in the game there you go men's mental health sorted okay that is pretty much the end of the podcast as ever i will be reading out uh, uh two of the most recent reviews or a, a recent review if there are any so this is this is drama because I haven't actually I haven't actually checked for a while to see if there's been any new reviews. And let's have a look. Uh, oh, we've got a couple. We've got a couple. We've got a few. So this one is from JD Thorpe. Um, and he says, this is a five-star review. The UK's best liberal and small government supporting comic there is. <laughs> Thank you, JD. I like to think that that is quite a distinctive niche that you've described there. I mean, like, 
I'm probably in a group of very few people. You know what? If it comes to small party, liberal, progressive, anti-nanny state, pro-Brexit comedians, he's probably in the top five. Um, these, um, the, this is from JWHI22. Uh, he just says, enjoy the podcast. Hope your tour goes well. Well, what have you heard? I'm in paranoid mood today. What do you, what do you mean hope tour goes well? Is it going to go badly? What are you going to do? You're going you're gonna to bomb my fucking tour. And then uh, the third one, because there was only three, so let's read them all out, from Steve Mords. Mordsy! That's your nickname, isn't it, Steve? Hey, Mordsy! He always turns up late for the stag do. Oh, fucking hell, boy. I went out last night. You went Mordsy? You were a fucking nightmare, mate. We've had this plan for weeks. I oh, know, mate. I went for a ruby, though. I had, you, know, you know how the cobra is. It's light on the stomach, you know? I had a little uh, amaretto before I knew it. I was in prison. No, he was in prison. No, prison. No, I thought he said prison. No, prison, the nightclub. Oh, right, yeah. Did you pull? I'm a fucking married man. I wouldn't tell if I did. So you didn't pull then? No, no, I didn't. Um, so Steve says, only heard about Jeff recently, having been convinced for quite a while now that Andrew Lawrence was the only right-leading comedian in the industry. He's entertaining. His impressions are terrible. Fuck off, Multi. You're out of order, Multi. You're off the WhatsApp group. And at least offers... A viewpoint for the leavers or someone who, uh, for someone who voted remain. Well, you know, thank you, Maudsley. Obviously, Andrew Lawrence is out there. There's other guys, you know, it's a little gang of us Andrew Doyle, Leo Kirst, Constantine Kissin, uh, there's Alistair Williams. There's, I, I'm wait, still waiting for the female right of centre comic. I think that that is the next, you know, because we're all about the diversity these days, aren't we, guys? Well, let's have diversity of opinions. Let's have a right wing female comedian. Man, you think I got shit. There'll be all the lefties going, I just I just don't understand how a woman could be right wing. You know, that's a bit sexist, isn't it? To be, no, no, I just no, I'm not I'm not stereotypical of women. I just I just don't care how, you know, a woman, you know, could be, you know, a caring, nice, sensitive, nurturing woman could be right wing. Oh well, because all right wingers are even, all women are nice. Shut up. What most people think.